Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, September 14th, 2023, the 967th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So yesterday we talked about how Kevin McCarthy, the Republican Speaker of the House, endorsed an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. They are going to begin to investigate so that in a few months or maybe much longer or maybe never, they will have a vote in the House to impeach Joe Biden or not. 
And we talked about how the Democrats and the media rushed to the fake president's defense and how the fake president's administration wrote a memo to media organizations asking them to go after the Republicans leading the investigation, much as we saw in that leaked media strategy from David Brock last fall. The plan was always to go after the investigators investigating the illegitimate president. And if you want to find that memo from Media Matters hatchet man David Brock, just search for David Brock and that organization. It's called Facts First USA. Their strategy was to go after the investigators, and that is the exact thing the illegitimate administration asked from the media this week. So McCarthy suggests an impeachment inquiry. The Democrats and media rush to Biden's defense. Some of the establishment GOP, the Rhino members, lend their words to the cause of defending Biden and defending the regime. But most Republicans got on board and talked about how Joe Biden deserves impeachment because of his career in political corruption and criminality. But not all Republicans backed it. Some thought that this was a distraction. Knowing that achieving a two-thirds vote in the Senate was extraordinarily unlikely, there would be better targets, for instance, in Ray and Mayorkas. As Cash Patel has said in the past, this week he also posited that this could actually be doing the Democrats' work for them because they want to replace Joe Biden. And Matt Gates pushed the idea that this wasn't going nearly far enough or nearly fast enough. These were all half measures. Kevin McCarthy made a whole bunch of promises in that deal to get the 20 holdouts in the vote for Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy has not lived up to his end of the bargain. And now Matt Gates is threatening to bring a motion to vacate to the House floor, which could eventually get Kevin McCarthy removed from his position. I said what I have always said, that Joe Biden is not a legitimate president, and therefore there is no legitimacy in removing him via impeachment. The election fraud should be proven. His illegitimacy should be proven, and he should simply be removed from office. It's silly to impeach an illegitimate president, and it is not justice to have him removed through a constitutional process when he was not made president in a constitutional process and indeed not at all. Donald Trump has pushed multiple times this week for the 25th Amendment. So as various parties argue about the means for Biden's removal from the office of fake president and those hoping to replace him jockey for position and hint about how they're ready to take over like Kamala or claiming that Joe Biden is doing an amazing job but they just want to help make everything more amazing, like Gavin Newsom or like Big Mike. Let's also talk about how the reasons for Biden's removal are building from multiple perspectives. The public is learning more and more about Joe Biden's political criminality and corruption throughout his five-decade-long career. Despite the fact that the media continues to claim no evidence, no evidence, the evidence is building and it's becoming obvious even to standard issue villagers. This is now breaking through the central narrative bubble. This is Matt Gates talking to CNN's Abby Phillip. 
to the quality of the evidence, though, I just have to say, I mean, we do have bank records, devices, laptops, travel records, changes in administration policy. Seems like pretty strong evidence not, to me. None of which links President Biden to... Well, it was uh, Joe Biden any, on the phone. None of which... He was calling into the meetings. But, Abby, are you actually trying to tell your viewers that, that you don't believe that Joe Biden was involved in Hunter Biden's business deals? It's not it's about, a hard case. It's not about what I believe. It's about whether, whether there is evidence that President Biden is linked to the misdeeds that uh, might be linked to Hunter Biden. That's the issue. Uh, but I want to get a, back. That was tortured. I, I, <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, come look, on. He was, he, wait, hold on. Can you just acknowledge that when it, he calls into the business no, 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 deals no, no, no. that he's involved? This is when not, he calls into the, to the dinners, not about, you don't think that's involvement? Is, involvement is not involvement. Evidence is not evidence. We're at this very strange place in the world where we think the only time something can count as evidence is if there's a smoking gun. Something that is provably true beyond a shadow of a doubt. We act as though we're the judge in a criminal court every time we are asked to form belief about something. Hey, what do you think of this thing? Well, I can't express an opinion unless there's smoking gun evidence that everyone can see so that everyone agrees with exactly the same thing. People have gotten to the point where they are only confident to say what they think when the thing they're about to say has been agreed upon as a consensus fact. It's not only a preponderance of evidence that Joe Biden and his son were involved in shady foreign business dealings trading on the power of Joe Biden's political office. It is what the full summation of evidence inevitably points to. There is no other conclusion that can be drawn from this massive body of evidence. The evidence on the Biden laptop, which you can view in the Marco Polo report on the Biden laptop, is smoking gun evidence. That's what smoking gun evidence is. They have the suspicious activity reports. They have reports from Treasury. They have the emails confirmed by both the sender and receiver of the emails. The only evidence that's not available is a direct confession. And I would not be surprised if Hunter Biden had by this point already made one of those. What could it possibly mean that there is no evidence linking Joe Biden to Hunter Biden's business dealings? And the funny thing is that we even have standard issue villagers in the media on the uniparty right who make the same case. They don't see direct evidence. They won't express the opinion. They won't express what is obviously true until the higher authorities approve of it. And they brag about how their media organizations wouldn't allow them to print such a thing. And they agree with their media organizations because the case just hasn't been made yet. They are waiting for, I guess, more smoking gun evidence before stating the obvious. And they will not do it until the authoritative source says, yes, OK, now all that evidence is smoking gun evidence. You may proceed. This claim has now become true, but it wasn't true three years ago when other people with the same information were saying it. It wasn't true then. It is true now. Same information, just not true then. These people say that they are doing this. Because of how seriously they take their responsibility to get it right. Their credibility is on the line and they would not want to risk that. I mean, sure, 
They're fine with constantly being two or three years behind virtually everything that matters, but they want to maintain their credibility. These people are so concerned with being taken seriously that they have become a joke. As all this is going on, we get another major Biden corruption story from the New York Post's Miranda Devine. This is published just this morning. House GOP probing then-VP Biden's dodgy breakfast meeting with Kazakh bank official at official residence. As House Republicans move to impeach Joe Biden, congressional investigators are zeroing in on a breakfast the then-Vice President hosted in the summer of 2015 at his official residence in Washington, D.C. for his son Hunter Biden and two business partners. Hunter's former best friend in business, Devin Archer, mentioned the meeting in passing during his recent closed-door testimony to the House Oversight Committee. Archer attended the July 7, 2015 meeting at 8.30 a.m., along with Mark Holtzman, chairman of Kazakhstan's largest bank, Kazkomerts Bank. Over orange juice, coffee, and pastries in a downstairs room of the historic Naval Observatory residence on that sunny Tuesday morning, Conversation revolved around Holtzman lobbying VP Biden to back his close friend, then Kazakhstan Prime Minister Karim Masimov, to be Secretary General of the United Nations. The unspoken subtext of the conversation between the four men was that Hunter and Archer were working on a lucrative energy project in Kazakhstan on behalf of Burisma, the corrupt Ukrainian energy company that was paying them a million dollars apiece. With Masimov's backing, they would create a potentially lucrative new Kazakhstani subsidiary, Burisma Eurasia, and bring American drilling equipment over land through Russia to exploit the gas deposits. So first off, as usual, on this timeline, once again, our breaking news is about something that happened eight years ago. But not only that, this story, as all Hunter Biden stories appears in the Marco Polo report on the Biden laptop, and you can see that for yourself on page 172 of the report. So what do we have here? Well, we have a rerun. This is a story that has been reported before and available for public consumption for a very long time. But all of the standard issue villagers and all of those very serious intellectuals, very concerned about their credibility, gathered around the intellectual kids table, they refuse to look at this source because the sorts of people they fear will be judging their credibility haven't said yet that the report on the Biden laptop by Marco Polo is acceptable for consumption. This is how the people in Con Inc. Media go about their jobs. These were the same people saying that we had to speak responsibly about Paul Pelosi hammer time. They took the entire story seriously. They said, what about that poor injured man? And if you still believe that whole story, well, I guess I don't know what to tell you. Stick with them and be two or three or four years behind, or maybe a whole lifetime behind all the time. That's what life is like within the party of false decorum. They are too concerned about what other people will think of them, that they would rather be wrong and years behind than make a mistake that those people will try to ding them for by calling them conspiracy theorists. They are so concerned about being associated with people like us that they would rather do their jobs terribly 
they would rather be the world's most timid, fraudulent truth tellers than be laughed at by stupid people. This motivation is also, of course, what makes it impossible for these people to talk honestly about election fraud. The conversation has not yet been approved of by the authoritative source, so they're not allowed to discuss it. They only get to say things like, yeah, the media rigged it by censoring the Biden laptop story. Or, yeah, the states kind of rigged it by changing the laws unconstitutionally. But those laws were in there and it was all adjudicated by the court. So I guess they stole it legally or they'll get on board with the thing that they know there was fraud but not enough to have changed the outcome, or they'll say they know there was fraud, but Trump was just too weak to fix it. So we need to support someone the regime won't steal an election from. These people, in their attempts to be taken seriously, have become an absolute joke. It's not a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden has been corrupt throughout his political career. This is widely reported on. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He used to steal other people's political speeches. He was mentored in politics for decades by a Klansman. He brags about the 90s crime bills and how he wrote the Patriot Act. He's regularly seen sniffing and molesting children. And we're still supposed to make sure that there are enough smoking guns that even the regime media and the authoritative source has to admit that it's okay to talk about these things now. And we are in the process of getting to that point. We will eventually reach that point. And then all of these people will say, well, okay, now there's evidence. Once it becomes absolutely safe to say it, once even the diehard communists on the uniparty left say it, then it will be true. And not a moment sooner. Right now, it's a conspiracy theory and only conspiracy theorists talk about it. These people are willing to adopt every single opinion of the uniparty left until they are told it's okay to disagree. And at that point, they'll say they knew the whole time in order to separate themselves from the uniparty left, even while adopting the same beliefs at the same time. How does that work? Why does that happen? Oh, it's because these people are still in the party of false decorum, which means they're still asleep. Thankfully, though, even these members of the Uniparty right were able to figure this clip out. And this is Ian Sams, by the way, the member of the fake administration who wrote the letter to the media asking them to go after the Republican investigators. The president was uh, present at some of the meetings between Hunter Biden and his business associates. Uh, why was the president at those meetings on those uh, phone calls? Well, again, I think this is part of the right wing's misinformation machine to try to confuse people uh, about what the truth is. The truth is that the president, as he has said publicly for years, uh, calls his family every day to check in. He calls his son every day to check in. He calls his other family members to check in to see how they're doing. He loves them. There's, they're a tight knit family. And what the GOP's own witness testified in this case is that that's exactly what the president was doing. He was checking in with Hunter during a particularly hard time, I might add, a time where the family was going through uh, Hunter's brother Bo's illness. Uh, and of course, the president checks in with his son and talks to him. But again, that witness testified no business dealings of Hunter Biden's or anyone's was discussed in these conversations. 
And so, again, they're trying to make this sort of strange connection when their own investigation has disproven these claims. Uh, before I let you go, Ian, has the president responded in terms of how the president has reacted to this, uh, especially as somebody who's been in politics and been in Washington for as long as he has been, the idea that he is now uh, subject to an impeachment inquiry as president of the United States, what's his response to that? You know, the president has been in politics for a long time, and I think, as he would say, he's seen a lot of malarkey along the way, but this might take the cake. You know, he's focused on the issues that actually matter to the American people. You just saw him spending uh, oh, the last week traveling around the world, shoring up our alliances, advancing national interests in Asia, our economic interests in Asia, uh, showing American leadership on the world stage. He's coming back here. He's announcing today a quarter billion dollar investment in cancer research to try to finally cure cancer. That's what his administration and this president is focused on every day. They're focused on the actual needs of the American people. And I think what he would say is maybe the House Republicans should join him. Now, that is absolutely not what Devin Archer has said about those phone calls. And there wasn't just one phone call. Ian Sams is being very careful with his language there. He's saying that Joe Biden did not discuss the business dealings on that phone call. Hunter was absolutely getting Joe Biden on the phone call to impress the business partners and show them that Joe was in the mix. They're trying to explain that away by saying that Joe just loves his family so much and that's why he's always calling in to these business meetings and attending dinners with the very same people. But hey, if you can't take it from Ian Sams, who can you take it from? I mean, yes, he wrote that memo to the leaders of media organizations asking them to go after the investigators exactly as David Brock's memo prefaced nearly 11 months ago. But also, he's totally telling the truth and all of this is happening spontaneously. Everybody knows how much Joe loves his family, enough to shower with them. And if you don't think taking inappropriate showers with your young daughter is a sign of loving one's family, then you ain't black. But hey, if you don't buy that excuse, they have something even more emotional to blackmail you into going along. Former White House aides of yours who tried to warn you about the potential conflicts of interest. Nobody warned me about a potential conflict of interest. Nobody warned me about that. And at the same time, George Kent, the State Department official yeah, but, testified that but, he raised it to you. No, he did say to me. Staff. He did not. To your say, staff. I, I never, corrected. never heard that once. To your all. staff. And your staff and, told him he has no bandwidth. Well, my son was dying. Members. I guess that's why he said it, because my son was on his deathbed. That's an amazing clip there, particularly from NPR. They sound like they're really going after the fake president, asking the hard questions. But isn't it incredible that after that interaction, the one thing you come away with is Joe Biden wasn't directly told himself. Other people around him knew, but they just didn't tell him in time. And because his staff didn't tell him, there's no way that Joe Biden could have possibly known that there was a potential conflict of interest in this business deal that he as vice president was thinking about getting into. He just could not have known, you see. What do you think he has? Secret service personnel that can vet the people he's dealing with? Come on, man. And you know how busy he and Barack were? 
Don't you remember those golden days of Barack and Joe, Joe and Barack, always getting shit done, being super busy? Joe Biden doesn't have time for political corruption. He's too busy with Barack. He just didn't have the bandwidth, man. Look, I didn't have the bandwidth. It's because my son was dying in a burn pit. Oh, I know he wasn't dying in a burn pit, but it sounds sadder when I say that. Give me a break, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. And right there, all of the uniparty left child brains have a brand new tactic. They're just going to tell everybody who says anything about the Biden laptop that they're actually insensitive monsters for not caring that Joe Biden's son died. I mean, who wouldn't be working on corrupt political dealings with their son dying? Everybody knows that if you love your family enough to take inappropriate showers with them, you have to be focused first and foremost on your son dying. And that means some things go by the wayside. Not the corrupt business deals with foreign oligarchs, just the vetting of the foreign oligarchs and the people around them you're doing the corrupt business dealings with. He doesn't have enough bandwidth and something's got to give. But all of this evidence is in fact not evidence. We are still waiting for the evidence, just like we're waiting for the evidence of election fraud. It can't be found anywhere if you don't check and if you reframe all the evidence as not evidence. And speaking of which, the head guy at the world's leading producer of trans content, Ben Shapiro, posted on X this morning. So according to the media, there is no evidence that Joe was involved in or benefited from Hunter's corrupt business arrangements. So true, except for witness testimony from Devin Archer, statements from Tony Bobolinsky, texts from Hunter Biden's computer, WhatsApps from Hunter Biden's computer, Joe Biden's statements on leveraging the ouster of Viktor Shokin in Ukraine, unexplained income to Joe Biden, a lifetime of corruption benefiting his family from Joe Biden. Also enjoying the spectacle of people saying there's no direct evidence. Guys, fingerprints on a weapon is indirect evidence. So is DNA at a crime scene. And my response to him, of course, is now do election fraud, you clown. Apply the same standard to election fraud and Ben Shapiro should be out there talking about how obvious it is that our elections are stolen nationwide at every level. But he doesn't do that. Why doesn't Ben Shapiro do that? Hey, gang, I don't do it because I'm sold out to foreign masters. Yeah, Ben, we know. We know. That's why you're so focused on producing trans content. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Now, there is a great wealth of evidence against Joe Biden. There is a much greater wealth of evidence when it comes to election fraud. And the best evidence is the irrefutable logic behind asking, do you believe Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes? And if you don't believe that he did, why aren't you talking about the fact that no one can prove it, including the people who certified the election and certifying the election without being able to substantiate any of it is a violation of the oaths they took. We have an illegitimate president and they don't care. In fact, it's taken them three years to now say the things that we were saying three years ago. 
and people will still defend these hacks and frauds in the Con Inc. media. People always say, well, they're talking about these things because people are only catching up just now. And everyone's made that excuse for three years. Once someone is awake, they can catch up pretty quickly. You don't need to stop them along the way and decide what they're ready to think about. If this is all some info op and they're doing what they were asked to do, then fine and good for them. I'll owe them an apology when this all shakes out. But right now, these look to be the most hypocritical liars in the world. They are claiming the mantles of patriotism and seriousness and credibility after supporting the legitimacy of this man and covering up all of this material for three years? And what does it mean that they're willing to publicly apply these standards to Joe Biden, but won't apply the same standards to our obviously stolen elections? The obvious answer is that they are supporters of the regime that allows them to make a million dollars a week to produce their trans content and keep people behind an informational wall stuck three years in the past. It is absolutely the case that there is overwhelming evidence of Joe Biden's history of political corruption and criminality to the point where impeachment would be probably the most charitable possible way to hold this criminal accountable. But as I said yesterday, getting rid of Joe Biden is not the point. Exposing the regime and the uniparty and removing the uniparty from power completely. That's the point. And if you think I might be wrong about that, consider what the other side is going for. They are and they have been giving signs that they are willing to slowly move Joe Biden out of the picture. The country will learn that he's corrupt, but never quite understand how corrupt he is. They won't understand the depth of his corruption or the other powerful people he was allied with in this corruption. What they want ultimately is to protect the grip on power of the regime and protect that election system. Joe Biden himself is largely irrelevant. They would love to find an easy off ramp for Joe Biden so that he can just ride off into the sunset. Pardon Hunter, pardon himself. Not that he has the legitimate power to do either in a way that sticks, but that's what we'd be told. And then he would ride off into the sunset. I said this literally three years ago in the fall of 2020, pondering why they would make Joe Biden the candidate that they would then go on and steal an election for knowing all of the evidence of his historical corruption. And I speculated at the time that he would eventually be used as a fall guy. All of that evidence of corruption would come out. And rather than allowing it to compromise the grip on power of the regime, they would simply use Joe Biden as a fall guy, blame him for everything, remove him in a way that preserves his public image, and then replace him with someone new. And the advantage to this would be that all of the terrible stuff that would make this country so much worse would happen under Joe Biden. You can eliminate Biden, bring in another Democrat, just take the foot off the gas a little bit on how much you're making the American people struggle, how much you're torturing them and making them suffer. And that new Democrat would be everyone's hero for making things just a little better. 
Someone new and uncorrupted, not like Joe Biden. Someone young and inspiring, not like Joe Biden. Someone we can see serving for another two terms, not like Joe Biden. Just get him out of there and move on. And we'll get to more of that in just a second. But let's take a brief tangent and discuss Mitt Romney and his statement from yesterday. When you look at the Republican Party, particularly where the House of Representatives is, do you feel like this is a Republican Party that is beholden to former President Donald Trump? Well, there's no question, but that the Republican Party today is is in the shadow of Donald Trump. Uh, he is the leader of the greatest portion of the Republican Party. Uh, it's a populist, I believe, demagogue portion of the party. Uh, look, I represent a small wing of the party, if you will. I call it the wise wing of the Republican Party. Uh, and I don't believe we're going away. I think ultimately we'll see a resurgence and come back into leadership of the party. Uh, look, uh, my wing of the party talks about policy and about issues that will make a difference to the lives of the American people. The uh, Trump wing of the party uh, talks about resentments of various kind and getting even and, and settling scores and, and revisiting the 2020 election. What are the policies for the future? And my party is only going to be successful getting young people to vote for us if we're talking about the future. And that's not happening so far in that other wing. So Romney said this in an impromptu press conference after announcing that he would not be running for re-election as senator from Utah. Now, is that connected to the Biden corrupt business dealings in Ukraine? Well, it might be. Mikola Zlochevsky of Burisma placed a man named Joseph Kofer Black on the board of Burisma as an insurance policy against his prosecution, according to the report on the Biden laptop, page 160, evidenced right there. Kofer Black is a former Mitt Romney advisor. Now, is that smoking gun evidence? Well, it's indirect evidence, and we are in a major disclosure phase. So it is absolutely possible that Mitt Romney is attempting to get ahead of something. Now, it'll be very interesting to watch the vetting process for his replacement. All eyes will be on Utah throughout that process to see who the GOP establishment puts up, and then we'll get a real clear picture of how strong the Republican establishment is in Utah, because the Utah Republican Party seems to be just a nest of rhinos. Now the establishment is going to have to fight it out in a primary against MAGA in Utah. What is that going to look like? Sounds to me like we're going to see a replay of what happened to the John McCain political dynasty in Arizona. And Donald Trump made Ron DeSantis fans heads explode with his response to this news on Truth Social because they are still very, very mad that Donald Trump endorsed Mitten's Senate run in 2018. Amazing that the people who never understand anything about what Trump is doing are once again angry about something Trump did. Trump's post reads, Fantastic news for America, the great state of Utah, and for the Republican Party. Mitt Romney, sometimes referred to as Pierre Delecto, will not be seeking a second term in the U.S. Senate, where he did not serve with distinction. A big fight against him was in the offing, but now that will not be necessary. Congrats to all. Make America great again. And Pierre Delecto is the name of the alias or sock puppet account of Mitt Romney on Twitter. In interviews, Mitt Romney explained that account by saying that he had it to lurk. He then changed the account to private. 
He said it was to defend himself against the trolls on Twitter. But you do have to wonder whether that was just a cover story to explain the fact that Mitt Romney has a fake account on Twitter, knowing what sorts of illicit business dealings were conducted on Twitter through the direct messaging feature. You have to wonder what's in Pierre Delecto's DMs. But Willard Mitt Romney was not the only person to announce that he is not going to be running for re-election. Portland's mayor, Ted Wheeler, announced the same thing. Now, you might remember Ted Wheeler as the mayor of Portland during the summer of love, as everyone was celebrating how George Floyd solved racism. You might remember when BLM Antifa domestic terrorists attacked the Portland federal courthouse for about four straight months under his watch. You might remember how BLM Antifa domestic terrorists were firing bottle rockets and fireworks at Ted Wheeler's own apartment. You got to wonder what these people think is coming. But let's get back to the fake president, Joe Biden, and the various methods by which he might be removed from the board. Uniparty politicians and their complicit media are both trying to protect Biden against these charges of corruption and compromise, making emotional appeals to his character or claiming that the evidence just is not sufficient for him to be treated this way. But at the same time, you know, he is getting a little old and maybe there's reason to breathe some life into the party. All of this maps exactly onto what I theorized three years ago. Joe Biden will be a fall guy. They'll implement as much of the Great Reset agenda as they can, allowing the country to fall apart during that time. Then they will shuffle Biden away, let him ride off into the sunset and say, the Uniparty is here to save the country from these problems. And the only way to save the country from these problems that the Uniparty created is to do other things that the Uniparty also wants to do. And the agenda marches forward. So what's really key is how Biden is removed. They don't want him removed due to his illegitimacy, because that would mean the country understands that Joe Biden didn't win the election. And they don't want him to be removed through the full exposure of his history of political corruption and criminality, because that would implicate other people. There would be no way to claim that no one else knew what was going on. And people might push back against all those people who lied to them and made them vote for someone so obviously deficient. We can't have any of that, so there has to be another way to get him off the board, and it's going to be his age. You see, he's just a little too old. Everything else has been absolutely perfect with Joseph Robinette Biden since the moment he exploited his injured children while getting sworn into the Delaware Senate 50 years ago. Sure, they were injured in the car crash that killed his wife and daughter. But when life gives you lemons, you make photo ops that they can use for 50 years while trying to show just how good and strong a man you are. Having gone through so much, none of it, absolutely none of it caused by you or done with your permission. Joe Biden has always been a victim, you see. This is from the Daily Mail yesterday. New York Times and Washington Post both run op-eds branding Biden 80, too old for office, with New York Times raising specter of him dying before retiring like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. 
The New York Times column they're talking about is by a man named Ross Douthit, who is what the New York Times calls a conservative. But he is really just a uniparty right villager who likes it when uniparty elites say that he's one of the good ones. There was another op-ed in the New York Times just a few days ago by Frank Bruni that originally had the headline, Why Are We So Obsessed With Biden's Age? But that headline was then changed to, Trump is really old too. The defense for Biden's obvious physical and mental impairment that has at least something to do with his age is that Trump is also old. And the funny thing is that all of these media organizations have been seeding this idea for years that Biden should not run again. One term is enough just because of age. Absolutely nothing else. Just age. Did they know that all the corruption stuff was true the entire time? Of course they did. Virtually anyone who's ever paid attention to American politics knows that Joe Biden has always been corrupt. You got to give Joe Biden an easy exit ramp and let him ride off into the sunset. But here are some of those old headlines. July 11th, 2022, New York Times. Joe Biden is too old to be president again. February 9th of this year, New York Times. Is Biden too old to run again? July 9th, last year. At 79, Biden is testing the boundaries of age and the presidency again, New York Times. November 20th, 2022, NPR. Biden, turning 80, faces questions about whether he's too old. The Wall Street Journal. Is Biden too old to run again? We ask people born on his exact birthday. Oh, what insight. That is also from this week. So there is an obvious push to make sure Americans are thinking about this, because then what do they get to say when people come up to them and say, Joe Biden is corrupt and he must go. Then they can say, well, I don't know about that corruption, but I agree he is getting up there in years and maybe it's time for someone else. Let's talk about the other person. And what have you done? You have taken the conversation away from Joe Biden's corruption and allowed the standard issue villagers to wish cast about who will replace him. You can type Biden too old into any search engine and get countless results. And I'm sure you can about Trump, by the way, too. But that's for an entirely different reason. All of those articles are arguing that Trump is too old because they will take literally anything to get rid of Donald Trump. I'm more than happy to let Joe Biden stick around for as long as need be. This is not ultimately Biden doing any of this stuff. We need to expose the uniparty. We need to expose the regime. And we need to make sure that both of them are eliminated from any position of power in this country. And we do that through fixing our elections and letting everybody know who these people actually are, allowing the people to judge for themselves rather than simply believe whatever they are told by yet another authoritative source. It's not a conspiracy theory to say that you can see the hand of the regime at work in this. They are letting the public understand that it is acceptable to move Joe Biden out of his position, and it's probably just better for everyone to do so while protecting him and his image and his legacy so he can ride off into the sunset. Once they get rid of him, think about how the media will portray it if anyone continues pursuing Joe Biden and his family and the business partners, etc., for any of that corruption. Oh, why don't you leave that poor old man alone? 
Don't you think he's dealt with enough over the course of his life? He got more done as president than a man half his age could have gotten done. And then he stepped down at the right time so others could continue his fine work. And that's essentially what was argued in the most talked about of these new op-eds going around about Biden's age. This one in the Washington Post by David Ignatius, who Joe Biden has referred to as his favorite columnist before. The headline from Tuesday, President Biden should not run again in 2024. Joe Biden launched his candidacy for president in 2019 with the words, we are in a battle for the soul of this nation. He was right. And though it wasn't obvious at first to many Democrats, he was the best person to wage that fight. He was a genial, but also shrewd campaigner for the restoration of what legislators call regular order. You know, this would get the adults back in the room. Since then, Biden has had a remarkable string of wins. He defeated President Donald Trump in the 2020 election. He led a Democrat rebuff of Trump's acolytes in the 2022 midterms. His Justice Department has systematically prosecuted the January 6th, 2021 insurrection that Trump championed. And now, through special counsel Jack Smith, the department is bringing Trump himself to justice. Now, that's rather incredible, isn't it? Joe Biden has a remarkable string of wins. He won a fake election in 2020. His party did better than they were supposed to, according to the media, in the fake elections of 2022. So the first two wins are literally the results of stolen elections. Then the third win is that his Justice Department is systematically prosecuting the January 6th insurrection, a story that has been entirely false from the start. And finally, he is prosecuting his leading political opponent, that is what celebrated columnist and very serious intellectual David Ignatius is arguing in the austere pages of the Washington Post. It's rather amazing, isn't it? Those are the wins they point to for quote unquote President Joe Biden. What I admire most about President Biden is that in a polarized nation, he is governed from the center out as he promised in his victory speech. With an unexpectedly steady hand, he passed some of the most important domestic legislation in recent decades. In foreign policy, he managed the delicate balance of helping Ukraine fight Russia without getting America itself into a war. In some, he has been a successful and effective president. So Joe Biden is healing the divisions in this country. But you might remember that speech he did in Philadelphia, where he was shaking his fists, yelling about MAGA extremists. With the whole building behind him bathed in a deep red, it was something straight out of Nazi Germany. And even people on the left were like, oh, that looks a little bit too much like Hitler. Then Ignatius praises him for implementing the global regime's agenda in America on the backs of uniparty majorities. And then he is praised for helping Ukraine fight Russia. What happened to winning that war? But I don't think Biden and Vice President Harris should run for re-election. Oh, no. Kamala is implicated, too. It's painful to say that, given my admiration for much of what they have accomplished. But if he and Harris campaign together in 2024, I think Biden risks undoing his greatest achievement, which was stopping Trump. 
oh, he stopped Trump before, but somehow Trump is not stopped now. How did he stop Trump then? Biden wrote his political testament in his inaugural address. Quote, when our days are through, our children and our children's children will say of us, they gave their best. They did their duty. They healed a broken land. Mr. President, maybe this is that moment when duty has been served. Biden would carry two big liabilities into a 2024 campaign. He would be 82 when he began a second term. According to a recent Associated Press NORC poll, 77% of the public, including 69% of Democrats, think he's too old to be effective for four more years. Biden's age isn't just a Fox News trope. It's been the subject of dinner table conversations across America this summer. Oh, you hear that? Even communists are discussing how old Biden is at their dinner parties. David Ignatius is telling you that the elites in the uniparty left understand they need someone else there. And the only way they can talk about it is bringing up his age. They can't say, oh, yeah, the old man is absolutely corrupt. We definitely need to replace him or there's no way we can win. In fact, we not only need to replace him, we need to make sure that no one else finds out about this corruption because then they'll wonder why we all voted for him, even though the country knew about it in 2020. They simply can't have that. Because of their concerns about Biden's age, voters would sensibly focus on his presumptive running mate, Harris. She is less popular than Biden, with a 39.5% approval rating, according to polling website 538. Harris has many laudable qualities, but the simple fact is that she has failed to gain traction in the country or even within her own party. Her laudable qualities apparently are not gaining traction. Biden could encourage a more open vice presidential selection process that could produce a stronger running mate. There are many good alternatives, starting with now mayor of Los Angeles, Karen Bass, whom I wish Biden had chosen in the first place, or Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. But breaking up the ticket would be a free for all that could alienate black women, a key constituency. Biden might end up more vulnerable. Ah, yes, playing race based electoral politics to cover up the fact that Kamala Harris is a total incompetent. We would get rid of her, but then we might lose the black women who are only voting for Democrats because we keep giving them more black women. These people are so insulting to minorities. These people are so racist. It is absolutely crazy. Karen Bass, of course, is a diehard communist, real legitimate ties to the Communist Party. Just type in Karen Bass communist in virtually any non Google search engine. And you will have no problem supporting that claim. And by the way, just a brief aside, if I say something on this show that you think is a factual claim and not just my opinion, my take, my speculation, if you think I'm making a factual claim that you don't believe is substantiated, go look it up for yourself and see whether or not you think I'm right. I don't want anyone just taking my word for it. Go look it up and see if you can substantiate what I'm saying. And by the same token, it's worth doing that even if you think I can substantiate it, but you've never heard that thing before. Go look it up so you can know it for yourself rather than repeating something I've said. You might learn something that I've missed, or you may be able to say to me, hey, I think you might have this thing wrong. Here is what I found. 
We can vet these claims for ourselves. We don't have to assume that someone must be right. And by the same token, we don't have to assume that someone must be wrong just because they're saying something we haven't heard before. And for the record, I just did a quant search on Karen Bass communist Politico. Karen Bass eulogized Communist Party USA leader. The Atlantic Biden ally Karen Bass explains her history with Cuba. New York Post Representative Karen Bass praised Communist Party USA member. Fox News, same thing. The Hill, Karen Bass. I'm not a socialist. I'm not a communist. I've belonged to one political party my entire life. That's the Democratic Party. And so I guess that solves it. She's not a socialist. She's not a communist. She's just a Democrat who happens to work with the Communist Party and has done some things in Cuba. Now, if you think that alone isn't enough to substantiate that Karen Bass is a communist, then I encourage you to keep looking. And if you still don't agree, then, hey, okay, commie, go with that. Karen Bass, by the way, is black. So the racial consideration would go away. Not that there should be one in the first place. And she has been L.A. mayor for less than a year. And it took a while to get the results of her election, even though it was Democrat versus Democrat. Major momentum by her opponent, Rick Caruso, but still somehow she pulled it out in overtime. Oh, those California elections. Back to David Ignatius. Politicians who know Biden well say that if he were convinced that Trump were truly vanquished, he would feel he had accomplished his political mission. He will run again if he believes in his gut that Trump will be the GOP nominee and that he has the best chance to defeat Trump and save the country from the nightmare of a revenge presidency. Oh, panic. Biden has never been good at saying no. He should have resisted the choice of Harris, who was a colleague of his beloved son, Beau, when they were both state attorneys general. Oh, were they just colleagues or was there something more going on? Nah, there couldn't be. They were just attorneys general at the same time. He should have blocked then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, which has done considerable damage to the island's security. Oh, that's strange. Why wasn't Joe Biden able to exert control over that situation? He should have stopped his son Hunter from joining the board of a Ukrainian gas company and representing companies in China. And he certainly should have resisted Hunter's attempts to impress clients by getting dad on the phone. Wait a second. David Ignatius, Biden's favorite columnist, the Washington Post guy, the very astute, very serious intellectual who is saying that Biden did a wonderful job as president, is admitting all the things that Ian Sams, a member of the illegitimate administration, just tried to refute. These people need to get their stories straight. Biden has another chance to say no to himself this time by withdrawing from the 2024 race. It might not be in character for Biden, but it would be a wise choice for the country. You see that it's not in character. Biden is just always a hard charging guy. He knows he's the right man for any job and just wants to get the job done right. Biden has in many ways remade himself as a president. He is no longer the garrulous gladhander I met when I first covered Congress more than four decades ago. He's still an old time Paul, to be sure, but he is now more focused and strategic. He executes policy systematically at home and abroad, 
As Franklin Four writes in The Last Politician, a new account of Biden's presidency, he will be remembered as the old hack who could. Franklin Four, by the way, is one of the hack journalists who helped Natasha Bertrand spread the Alpha Bank hoax for Hillary Clinton during the whole Russiagate episode. So basically just a regime propagandist. Time is running out. In a month or so, this decision will be cast in stone. It will be too late for other Democrats, including Harris, to test themselves in primaries and see whether they have the stuff of presidential leadership. Right now, there's no clear alternative to Biden, no screamingly obvious replacement waiting in the wings. That might be the decider for Biden, that there's seemingly nobody else. But maybe he will trust in democracy to discover new leadership, quote, in the arena. Ah, yes, Biden is going to go scout his own replacement, and it will magically be either Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or Hillary Clinton. And isn't it amazing that when they talk about this stuff, they do the political analysis. They accept the fact that Joe Biden really is not very popular and that other Democrat politicians are even weaker than Joe Biden. But they still pretend that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes, and that the country hates Donald Trump. It's not possible for both of those things to be true. If the Democrats were actually in a powerful position, if the country actually believed that they had done a good job and that Joe Biden was a good president, if they believed that Joe Biden was a legitimate president, and if they wanted the Democrat agenda, absolutely none of this would be necessary. They wouldn't need a replacement for Biden, either that or they would have so many quality replacements that Joe Biden would simply walk off into the sunset on his own, taking a victory lap or even a victory tour, and then playing kingmaker for his replacement. They wouldn't need the propaganda, they wouldn't need the censorship, and they damn sure wouldn't need to be trying to prosecute Donald Trump. But they don't have any of that. They don't have any of it. They admit it in almost everything they say until you ask them directly, and then they will deny it at all costs. Back to Ignatius. I hope Biden has this conversation with himself about whether to run and that he levels with the country about it. It would focus the 2024 campaign. Who is the best person to stop Trump? That was the question when Biden decided to run in 2019, and it's still the essential test of a Democratic nominee today. So the regime is in a bit of a catch-22. They need to soften up Joe Biden and figure out a way to get rid of him before the information coming out about him and his family becomes too much for the regime media to deal with while making sure that no one else gets caught up in this mess. Now, I really don't know how this will go down. Will it be the 25th Amendment? I'm pretty sure it won't be impeachment. I think that they might keep Biden around through the next year, just for the narrative benefit of the never-ending public shaming that is the Joe Biden fake presidency. We talked the other day about how he was in Vietnam, claiming that he had to follow his orders when dealing with the press after telling a story about lying dog-faced pony soldiers, and then he went to Alaska for 9-11. I argued on Monday how the story about Elon Musk not providing Starlink for the Ukraine attack on Russian ships in a U.S. and regime proxy war ostensibly being led 
in some respect by Joe Biden, who unified the allies and is giving Ukraine everything they need, while Elon Musk remains a Defense Department contractor, makes it pretty clear that Joe Biden is not exerting much control in the office of fake president. The entire thing is a comical farce that makes the Democrat Party look weak and incompetent and makes the regime look weak and incompetent. It makes their agenda look ridiculous and harmful to the American people. If you want the people of this country to continue moving toward the America first movement and toward Donald Trump, it's hard to think of too many better people to have in there than Joe Biden, especially while the rest of the potential future Democrat leaders are being vetted in public and coming up well short. You put Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer or J.B. Pritzker or Kamala Harris or Big Mike into the spotlight and you're going to have some trouble. It's not like they can just get rid of Biden and then it will be easy, but they need to give Biden a soft landing, which is why they focus attention on Joe Biden's negatives they can claim are not really his fault and make the positive case for why the party might have a better future if Joe stepped aside. They don't want to focus on the actual corruption and criminality that might ensnare other regime elites in the process. And a part of that is to minimize the damage that can be done with further public disclosure of what Hunter Biden is up to. And so finally, today, breaking news of this afternoon, this is from NBC News. Hunter Biden indicted on federal gun charges. Federal prosecutors have indicted Hunter Biden, son of President Joe Biden, on gun charges, court documents show. Biden was indicted in Delaware federal court on three counts tied to the possession of a gun while using narcotics. Two counts are tied to Biden allegedly filing a form claiming that he was not using illegal drugs at the time he purchased a Colt Cobra revolver in October 2018. The third count alleges that he possessed a firearm while using a narcotic. Now, you have to love the use of the word allegedly. Again, that is just a matter of record. And of course, all of this is available in the Marco Polo report on the Biden laptop. The historic indictment against the son of a sitting president comes after a plea deal that might have ended a years long probe into Hunter Biden fell apart. And just as House Republicans have launched an impeachment inquiry in an effort to seek bank records and other documents from the president and his son. The case is being overseen by special counsel David Weiss, who also headed the investigation. Weiss is a Trump appointee who was kept on as U.S. attorney for Delaware because of the sensitive and unique nature of the investigation into a president's son by the Justice Department, a part of the executive branch headed by the president. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland named Weiss special counsel in August as negotiations over the tax and gun charges collapsed. Weiss's investigation was opened in 2018, the year before Joe Biden announced his candidacy for president, according to a source familiar with the inquiry and focused on the younger Biden's finances. The two sides reached a plea agreement in July, which called for Hunter Biden to plead guilty in Delaware federal court to two misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his taxes in return for prosecutors recommending a sentence of probation, a separate felony gun charge for illegally owning a Colt Cobra 38 special handgun would have been dropped in two years if Biden honored the terms of what's known as a diversion agreement. So they almost made it all go away. 
the agreement started to fall apart at the court appearance where it was expected to be finalized after the judge presiding over the case raised questions about some details. The agreements are not straightforward and they contain some atypical provisions. U.S. District Judge Mary Ellen Noreka noted, including one that could theoretically protect Biden from other tax related crimes in the same time period. They were basically trying to plead guilty to some very light charges for a very short probation period that would then make everything else go away. Prosecutors said the provision in the diversion agreement would not protect him from different charges, while attorneys for Hunter Biden said it would. Noreka, a Trump appointed judge, asked both sides for more information and the agreement, which Republicans were already blasting as a sweetheart deal, subsequently fell apart. Now, Kanakoa the Great on X posted his reaction, writing, this is a strategic diversion to draw attention away from the hundreds of crimes found in Hunter Biden's laptop, including unregistered foreign lobbying, money laundering and bribery involving the president. And I think he could be right about that. I don't think that would be my explanation, but it's plausible. It certainly would be an added benefit if we thought this might be the closest we'll get to actually dealing with these situations. But I don't think that. I think that this is just another step in the disclosure process. We are getting another rerun on the gun story, and they are conveniently leaving out, by the way, the story of how Bo Biden's widow, Hallie Biden, who Hunter was in an open sexual relationship with, where the two of them basically used to smoke crack and have sex and Hunter Biden would also attempt to include Hallie's sister. Well, Hallie took that gun and threw it in a dumpster across from a school. And that story itself was reported in mainstream outlets in October of 2020. So rerun after rerun after rerun after rerun after rerun. And now this particular story element is finally breaking into the mainstream but in a limited hangout version, because just like in the big picture, they want to give Joe Biden a soft landing out of his fake presidency. Part of that is giving Hunter Biden a soft landing out of all of his own corruption and criminality. Get him on a couple tax charges. Get rid of everything else. Ignore the gun charges. No one's even going to care anyway. Oh, fine. We can do the gun charges, but let's do the tax charges and the gun charges and we'll get rid of everything else. That's what Kanakoa is suggesting. And he may be right. I just think that we are going to continue getting more and more and more of this. I see this as a stepping stone on the way to getting all of it eventually. But we have to go around through these reruns of disclosure. We need to have the same stories shown again and again and again until everyone learns the lesson. Once the class all catches up, then we can move on to the next lesson. And maybe, just maybe, gun charges against the son of the anti-gun Democrat fake president might actually finally lock this particular lesson in. Maybe we have seen this rerun enough times, people will get it, and then we can move forward. But it's important to always focus on the goals, our goals and their goals. Our goal ultimately, or certainly my goal as I describe it, what I want is to see the awakening press forward as quickly and effectively as possible. I don't just care about getting rid of the Bidens or making sure that they are punished. 
I want the global regime and the uniparty in America to be removed from all positions of power in America. From that view, Joe Biden is just a small cog in that machine. Their goal is to maintain the uniparties and the global regime's grip on power, which means preserving the election system and the narrative viability of both sides of the uniparty, the uniparty left and the uniparty right. That means they have to ultimately hide the full scope of this political corruption because it ensnares too many elite members of the uniparty left and the uniparty right. So they give Hunter Biden a soft landing. And with that, they give Joe Biden a soft landing. They are showing you that their goal is not specifically to keep Joe Biden in the office of fake president. So if that's their goal, our goal in opposition cannot be to remove Joe Biden from the office of fake president because they're okay with that. They've already planned for that. In fact, there's a very, very strong chance that that is part of their plan. And as I played yesterday, Cash Patel's comments affirm that notion. The regime is okay with moving on from Joe Biden. It just has to be on their terms to minimize damage as much as possible. So what success for them looks like is to get Joe Biden a soft landing. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.CancelCouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm Your Moderator. And I'll see you soon, out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!